Saying to us, boys, I won't have a problem if you aim high and miss, but I'm going to have a real issue if you aim low and hit. That you get nothing for coming in last. And by the way, you can't just have it because you want it. He said, when you want to succeed as bad as you want to breathe, then you'll be successful. All right, guys, welcome to Lucrative Lessons, Episode 8. You got your boy Kyle Barger from Columbus, Ohio. Hey guys, this is Troy Spiller from Denver, Colorado. And hi, I'm Christy Hayes from Be Strong Story. Awesome. And Christy Hayes, also from Denver, Colorado. So this worked out great. So uh, Christy, Trey, and I met years ago uh, at Arch City Fitness when we uh, all were throwing barbells around together. And we've kind of all gone our separate ways. Christy and Trey have both landed in Denver um, in Christy has also been uh, kind of on that entrepreneurial route for years now, and we wanted to share her story. Uh, Christy comes to us uh, from some time in Oklahoma, St. Louis, uh, now Denver, and she started the Be Strong Story Company, which is a for-profit company that does a lot of good in their community. Christy, why don't you tell us a little bit about what uh, Be Strong Story stands for? Yeah, so it all started with a lunchbox note um, to my son from my husband. My son was having, he was in first grade, and he was having a hard time on the playground with a friend. And at the same time, Ferguson had just happened in St. Louis. So there was a ton of just kind of tension and unrest in our community. Um, so Grant wrote a note to Holden just to kind of help him navigate this time on the playground as a, as a first grader. And the th- three things he said was be strong, protect the weak, love everyone. And it was in a Sharpie, big, bold Sharpie on a napkin. And I remember when Holden brought that note home, um, usually he throws away everything in his lunchbox, but for some reason he brought that note home and I saw it and I thought, number one, my husband's lunchbox note skills are amazing. He's going to be doing the lunch forever now. If you don't want to have to do the lunch forever, do not do good lunch notes. Make sure you don't, or you'll be doing it forever. And I just wanted that to be a mission for our family. So we've done value statements before with our family and they're hard to do, but this just stuck for us. And so we made it truly our mission as a family. And then kind of organically, people said, we want to make that our mission too. Can you put it on some t-shirts? Can you help guide us on how we can do that? And it just kind of spiraled from there. And we started doing some apparel lines And so our true goal is that not only do we obviously get that message out through apparel, through partnering with other companies who are living that that out in their own companies, but that we are actually bringing our community to live that message out by serving and loving others. And so it's kind of twofold for us that we're spreading the message. We're teaching people to live that message as well. Awesome. So for-profit businesses, the apparel, consulting with other companies to uh, help kind of pass along the message. But uh, you also spend a lot of time, I'd say, with, you know, brand awareness, brand growth, just through social media. Like you said, I mean, you, you really truly live and believe this message. So uh, I'd say a lot of it is is the is almost a non-for-profit mission to help, you know, expand the, gr- the growth of the brand. Right. And I think I think that sometimes what entrepreneurs miss out on is that they think they have to either be non-profit and do well and do good for others. And to be for profit, they can't merge the two. Whereas I believe that you can. And I think as any entrepreneur, you want to believe in your brand and you want to live your brand. So if I don't believe whatever I'm selling, if I don't truly believe in it, that I don't believe it can change the world. It's never going to compute to anyone else. No one else is going to come on board if they don't believe that I'm literally living that message out. And so for me, I believe with all my heart, if other people 
truly catch on to this message and they live it out in their communities, we really could change the world. I believe that with my whole heart. I wouldn't be behind it like this if I didn't. And so for me, I think merging the two has been something that has been a goal of mine where I want to employ those who need it. And so as a for-profit, you know, all of our screen printing is done in a homeless shelter. Um, I get to employ former homeless to screen print, but they're doing a job. I'm empowering them to do, them to do something that they're really good at and that we've you know, taught them to do. I haven't personally, but the screen print shop has taught them to do. Um, we just hired someone else who does our shipping and fulfillment and she, you know, didn't really know how to do that. And we're just working with her. And so that's probably one of my favorite parts of the job is empowering others, um, to do it. And then just living that message out, not just in our family life, in our community, but also in our business. So it's all encompassing. I agree. I think authenticity is huge, you know, whether it's from people who specialize in just social media or marketing, uh, or people who just want to create a company culture. If you don't live what you preach, it's a lot harder for the people around you to buy into the message. So you're using a third-party screen printer. Um, they're taking care of, uh, of making your product. So how did, how did that go about where you said, hey, we feel really strongly about you know, providing jobs for former homeless people or people down on their luck? You know, how, how did you guys collaborate to make that happen? So this was funny. Um, I'm a dreamer. I'm a vision caster. My husband is the detail, like, let's figure it out. And that can be um, stressful sometimes together. I'm sure you boys know um, if you have different spouses that think differently. So, you know, I always have these big ideas. And this counselor told us one time, he said, Christy's going to have one million ideas a day. But that doesn't mean she needs like a plan for every idea. Right. So this is what you say. You ask her when she comes to you with this great plan, you say, is this a back porch conversation or is this just like a, you just want to get it out conversation. And so if it's a back porch conversation, that means we're actually digging into it. And so I remember telling him about this and I said, I really want to employ homeless or someone who needs help to run our print shop. And he's like, well, how are you going to do that? And I said, I don't know. I was like, we're going to figure out how to screen print with homeless people. He's like, you don't even know how to screen print. I said, I know, we'll figure it out. I was like, Google, that's what we, that's what we do. So, you know, in his mind, he's like churning going, this is never, we don't have screen print, you know, stuff. We don't have the supplies. We don't have anything. And so in my mind, I knew that I had to figure it out somehow and we moved to Denver and I was already looking for a local printer because I will say as my entrepreneurship, this is a kind of our second company that we've done in this kind of realm. And I know that I used to be very go big or go home and I want it now. And I learned now that it, it does, it's, it's a slow process. You grow over time. That's okay. So in the back of my mind, I always knew that I wanted this for the future, but I knew it probably wasn't going to happen like the day we moved to Denver. I mean, we, we moved here. So a friend, um, we were actually at church and this lady who I'd never met before, she said, what do you do? And I told her, and she said, are you looking for a local screen printer? I said, actually I am. She said, she goes, yeah, I, I actually volunteer at this homeless shelter and they have a screen print uh, shop in the back and they use former homeless to screen print their products. Would you like me to get uh, you in touch with them? <laughs> and I, I said, uh, yes, like tomorrow. So literally the next day I called and, and I said, um, I want to partner with you. I know you don't know me, but um, I'm going to come in today. And so I came in, 
I kind of um, just told them left me partners. And ever since then, it's been really great. I go once or twice a week. Um, and not only is it just a great thing, you know, to, to, to be a part of, but it gives me such perspective. Um, my day is pretty good. And when I think I'm having a bad day and I walk in there and see what's going down, um, it, it makes me real grateful for what I have. So it's, it, for me, it's selfish because I get a lot out of being able to partner with them. And Trey and I have talked about this before, but having perspective and, you know, it's so common with entrepreneurs because when you start, you're kind of starting from scratch, you're doing a little bit of everything. There's always 10 times the amount of work for the amount of time you have available to get stuff done. So I think a lot of times it's, it's easy to lose perspective of the mission or of what we're doing or of what benefits come with being self-employed or being an employer of others. And I think especially with what you're doing, that's, that's a beautiful thing where whether you're working for somebody else, you're the CEO or executive of a large company, or you're just an entrepreneur just starting out and just in the trenches grinding, you know, just having a service day once a month, once a quarter, whatever, just to give yourself perspective of, you know what, I have all these struggles. I'm constantly beating my head against a wall to grow my business, to acquire new customers, to hire the right people, to, to grow organically. But at the end of the day, I mean, we still have a lot of freedom. We still kind of control our own destiny. And having that perspective of, you know, life's pretty good. You know, and, and from that, I think I read something uh, the other day. If you're always focused on what you have, then you're never going to have enough. But if you're grateful for what you have, you'll always have more. So if you appreciate what you've got, there's always something else that can come along and, and brighten your day. As opposed to if you're always worried about what you don't have yet, you're never going to have enough. And I think doing something like that, Christy, just gives, you know, the ultimate perspective of, you know, life's not so bad. And, and the grind that we all kind of take on our shoulders, a lot of us love it. That's why we do it. But, uh, you know, sometimes it is nice to kind of stop and smell the roses and appreciate where we're at. Absolutely. How long do you think it it's actually takes you in a day to day of um, getting your business going? I mean, I, I obviously you probably spent some time up front. Uh, spending a lot of putting in a lot of the hours now, but whenever you break it down now, I mean, is it better than a day job? Are you starting to see some results to where you're a little more hands off now and you're starting to let your business grow? Because a lot of our viewers, they're, they're starting to wonder, should I be an entrepreneur? Should I take the, the true definition of entrepreneurship is an undertaking. Should I undertake this new business or this new concept that I have? So a lot of perspective that I get from new entrepreneurs is I, I just want to collect money. I, it's not very hard. Uh, it's super easy to, to do this, but can you explain like the struggles and then kind of what your life is like now um, as you do a day-to-day -day operational part of it? So for me, I'm still doing like most everything. Um, and I have a unique, uh, I have a unique thing too, because I'm a mom. And my husband works full time. And so for me, for women viewers or for mothers, they always have their kids on the forefront of their mind. So I don't know if it's different for men when they go to work, you kind of know probably things are taken care of. You don't, you know, you go to work, you come home, you spend time with the kids. I'm not saying all men are like this, but for I have this conversation with women all the time is that we never can let go of what's going on with our kids, like their schedules carpool, whatever. So my life is in both worlds and it will always be in both worlds. Um, the tension, I talk to entrepreneur moms, CEO moms all the time, and we always feel guilty for not doing one really well. Um, 
and the other one, not, we're never really good at anything. That's what we feel like because our we're in so many different places. And so what I have to figure out is that it's okay to do what I can with the time that I have. And I can't go fully in Be Strong Story the way that maybe I want, it, want to because I, am, I love to work, you guys. I love it. Um, and I'm better at that than probably I am actually as a mom. That's harder for me. I really have to work hard at that. But I know that I only have certain time in the day that I have to, to make sure that I am super scheduled with the things that I'm doing. So before, when we first started, I did everything from home. I packaged everything. I did all the orders. For someone who's not detailed, that is the worst. <laughs> like the worst. I hated it. Um, I mean, we're going to hate parts of the job. It's just the nature of the beast. That's okay. But when I could find others who could help me with that, that was when things like got off my shoulders. Now, I don't have this like incredible team of like 20 that I get to just sit around in this office and they come to me and tell, you know, I sign off on things. Um, You know, I do have someone now who fulfills and orders all of our things. So I don't do any of that in my house anymore. That's wonderful. But I also have brought along, I think we also have to realize that when we can't pay someone to do um, all of the things that we're not great at, we cannot be afraid to ask our friends who are great at those things if they will give us some advice or help. So I have two um, friends who are accountants and CEOs, and they run their own show. They're amazing. And that is not my gifting. And so I have had to say when we first started, when I wasn't able to pay someone, and even now I have a girl who I say, I'm not great at this accounting part, but I know it's important. Will you come alongside me for now and help me with that? And she does. And that also, you know, speaks to we are afraid to ask people to do things that we don't like to do because we're afraid they don't like to do that. I think it's important that we're asking. It's important that if they say no, that's okay. But to ask, because some people are working these nine to five jobs And they just want to do something that is helpful or passionate towards something they believe in. And so I feel like I get to give these, you know, women who do have these jobs, these maybe accounting jobs or things um, that they like. But I also get to say, would you be a part of a bigger mission with me? Um, Would you help me start something that's maybe bigger than ourselves? And they come alongside and do that. And so right now I have two women who are really good at marketing and really good at financials. And I just have asked them to come alongside me and help me right now until I am bigger and and can, you know, find someone who I can employ. It doesn't come like that so fast. You know, I think people have to understand that, like they either have to do it all or they have to ask for help and be okay asking for help. Obviously, most entrepreneurs fall into this trap that they want to do everything themselves. It's their baby. They don't want to trust anyone else to do anything. So they end up doing all the work themselves. It pulls them away from probably what they're best at. I think, one, you're you're already ahead of the curve because you understand, like, you, you already kind of said, hey, I'm very strong in these areas, or maybe I'm not as strong in, in these areas. And I think that's a very 
macro level approach that most people who run their own businesses need to take. Because if you're really strong at sales, then you should be hiring people to do order placement, order entry, procurement, whatever it is. So that way you can focus on sales. And I think you, it sounds like you've done a nice job of bringing people on to help, but also, you know, utilizing other strengths. If that's somebody's strength and that's something that they're good at, that may take them 10% of the time it might take you to do the job and they might do it 10 times better. So, you know, being able to delegate those things to people where that's their strengths, that's going to help a business grow faster. It's going to help it grow more organically. And even if you're in that startup phase where you don't have a lot of capital or a lot of money to do that, a lot of times there's unique opportunities to barter things or to trade things or whatever your strength is. Maybe you help them in their business for that because, again, it might take you 10% of the time it takes them. So you're, you're still net gaining time on your schedule to do those things. I think that, can I just say something on that? I think that's the huge part because I think as an entrepreneur, you're so scared to do all the things by yourself and you get in a funk and do all that because you don't have the money or you are frugal. You want to put everything back in your business. So you're scared to hire someone or you're scared to ask someone. And I cannot like stress this enough that in order to truly make it, you have, you have to ask you have to get out there and either figure out how you can raise more or do whatever for that person, that specific and partnerships. I partner all the time. I probably like in a week, I probably give out 30 emails or instant message or direct messages to people who are in the same realm as I am to partner with them. I might get two yeses and I might get 25 no's, but that is, I will say that's something I feel like I am good at is finding people who are doing things that I love, who are good at those things, who I trust and asking to partner and saying, I will give you this gift of mine. If you give me this gift of yours and it's not monetary, but we're helping each other's businesses out. The creative types. If you're, if you're in that kind of realm of of creation, a lot of times sales don't come naturally or dealing with people doesn't come naturally. So like asking people, you got to get tough skin. You got to be prepared that people are going to say no. And sometimes all it takes is one out of a hundred yeses. Sometimes it's 10 out of a hundred. I mean, keep in mind, we use this example a lot. It doesn't take, you know, better than a 350 batting average to make it to the hall of fame. So, I mean, that's, that's a lot of strikeouts there. So just get tough skin, get used to asking for things, get used to hearing no, get used to maybe not accepting no and following up with some other kind of value add or counter or keep the conversation alive. And and back to the third lesson to what we were talking about is time management. Anyone listening to this, who is a, a parent, you'll realize how much time you had before kids And utilizing time management skills now will benefit you for the rest of your life. And it's something that is kind of forced upon you once you do have kids because you're like, oh, my gosh, all of a sudden now I have certain responsibilities and obligations that are non-negotiable. Whereas before, it's like, I can fill this time with, you know, A, B or C. So, you know, running a business properly, whether it's part time, whether it's still being a a, a mom, a dad, whether it's doing philanthropy on top of your business, whatever you're going to do, if you don't have proper time management, you're probably never going to be great at any one of those things, right? So being able to to focus on that early and make sure that you're not just wasting time. And and that's something that Trey specializes in. He came and visited, you know, Champion Trading Group uh, a couple months ago, and he just looked at some of the redundancies we had in our business. And he's like, look, man, you don't even have to hire somebody for this. You can use software to automate so many things in your life. So even if it's just spending a couple hours trying to research that stuff, that can save you dozens, if not hundreds of hours in the long run. 
Trey, why don't you jump on that first? Yeah, Kyle, I was going to ask where I should send that invoice to. <laughs> <laughs> Bro account at uh, yourbuddy.com. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I uh, time management is maybe the most important thing that I actually deal with. And as I you know, see Christie's business, as I see your business, I mean, there's always ways to get better, but sometimes that can restrict you and uh, actually hinder your business if you're always constantly trying to uh, <laughs> change procedure. But let, let me just break this down to some of the some of the basics that you have to do in your business um, is really evaluate what you do in on a day to day basis. And if you can, again, sub that out to a friend and say, hey, I do this every day at this time. Can I automate that process? Can I do those types of things? And that's where I looked at your business. I was just like, I know we can do X, Y, and Z, and this will save you X amount of time per day, right? And those are the types of easy things that all you did was just ask me, hey, what can I do better? Can I evaluate? Can you evaluate some of my business? And I, your friends will do that for you. Your entrepreneurial friends will always help you out when it comes to doing that. And much like Christy talked about, she just has a few friends alongside her. Hey, I need some help here. You're an expert at this. It takes you a fraction of the time it would take me to go and do these types of things. So never be afraid to ask. People are all, always willing to help, especially if they're like-minded, like entrepreneurs like ourselves. Um, now you are going to get some no's and sometimes people will say, oh, my my hourly rate is X amount and all this stuff. And you can, you can outsource it a little bit, but I really think you should reach out to your close friends. And a lot of them have experience in, in things that you wouldn't uh, even think they would sometimes. So putting out a little blurb on Facebook or Instagram or uh, just giving them a text, um, you know, will go a long way. So don't be afraid to ask, I guess, is really the bottom line. That uh, Let's take that a step further. So for graduating seniors, for people who don't have jobs, for people who are starting out to be entrepreneurs who don't have any clients or customers yet, think about what we're talking about here. We're talking about time. Entrepreneurs, business owners, executives, CEOs, all the people that you want to interact with, people who are the movers and shakers of society, of business, of uh, the community that you live in, you can the easiest way to get it in is not dropping off your resume. It's not asking for a job interview. It's trying to add value to somebody. And especially if you're a graduating senior, you may not have any skills yet. You would be surprised if you wanted to go work at company ABC and they're not hiring. If you email that executive once a week and say, I will literally work for free. I'll get your coffee. I'll, I'll read the newspaper and give you the subtitles, whatever. Find some way to add value to them. Find something that they're interested in that you can essentially save them time on. You're instantly going to get in there. They, they may give you a job. They may, they may take you up on that hire for free, but you better believe how much are you going to learn from working directly for the CEO of a company as opposed to working in the mailroom and working your way up. Yeah, Kyle, th that's an amazing point. I just did a junior achievement uh, class uh, last week uh, down at uh, the high school in Littleton. And the common definition was, how can you add value? How can your business add value? How can you as a person add value, right? And we evaluate three things as our business goes through it. So time, cost, and quality, right? We've talked about this before, but always keep that in the back of your mind. Can I add value through quality? Is it their product or is it a service? Can I save you on cost or can I make you more money? And can I save you time, right? Those are the three things you need to always evaluate and how you can add value and how are you going to do that for a business, whether it's against your competitors or whether it's to actually working with a business or some sort of entry point that you're trying to get into. 
So much like what Christy's doing, I mean, she's adding quality to people's lives, right? I mean, that is something that what you do in your business is uh, so imperative that we have those types of businesses out there that keeps us uh, in perspective, really the whole process of, of our day-to-day lives, right? I mean, I get caught up in software all the time, but if I don't have something that I look forward to, like you're saying with the homeless shelters and uh, and actually going in and giving perspective of, and there's a, there's a completely different life out there. Um, I start to lose my sense of, of purpose there. So, so trade back, I want you to recap. You said there were three things to add value. Can you define those again? Yeah. So the three things that I always look for is time, cost, and quality, right? Those are the th- three things that you have to, as a business or as an individual, you have to be able to save people time or add additional time you got to be able to save on cost or provide more monetary value or add quality, right? So those are three things that I always look for uh, in any perspective of business. Yeah. And, and to, you know, to define that for some of our listeners, again, if you're that graduating senior, you can add time. You may not have the ability to cut costs or add quality yet because you don't have those skills, but your time will eventually develop those skills. If you're the you know, senior consultant, you've been doing this a long time, you have a lot of knowledge and experience to possibly cut costs or add quality to somebody's product. And you better believe when somebody, you know, it's like that used car salesman pitch. When you walk on to a lot or you go into a, a consumer product store where you know they work on commission, you just get this like slimy feeling like, oh man, here they come. Like they're about to you know, try to overly sell me on something because they're going to get commission here. But what happens when you go to that customer or you find somebody who's working at McDonald's, working at the bank, and they go above and beyond, they go out of their way. Like that is how relationships are built. So if you're that entrepreneur, go to a client you want and don't walk in with a business pitch. Don't walk in and try to earn their business by selling it to them. Just walk in and find some way to add value to them. Tell them to have a nice day and say, hey, by the way, can we grab lunch next week? Hey, can we set up a, another time to, to get together and talk more about your business? And you better believe that somebody way more open to meeting with you again, giving you their time as opposed to, you know, pitch number 72 of the week that they've had of somebody trying to make money off of it. Yep. Yeah, Kyle, that, that's exact point of what I really learned from actually our last uh, episode that we had with Jimmy, that you want to create a relationship, not a transaction. That is one thing that really stuck with me. And I'm, I'm glad we had Jimmy on for that. If you guys can remember, uh, if you look back, I believe it's episode nine with Jimmy, um, to create a relationship is creating quality, right? Um, instead of just being a transaction, because they get pitched over and over and over and over. You're just another transaction on the books then. If you want to have a long-lasting business that has um, definition to it, you have to create that relationship. And so don't be pressing right away to get these immediate transactions in your life. You know, kind of work uh, through the sales process and understand that these people, they have a life too, and they want to create these relationships and have that trust built in uh, to it. So, and, and Christy, I think you've done a fantastic job of creating more relationships rather than just being a transactional company. I was going to say, I will be your customer forever. If you just go a little bit above and beyond for me. Um, the number one thing, if you say you're sorry, if you screw up my order, you screw up whatever thing, if you, all you have to say to me, I am so sorry. I am so sorry. That's it. No excuse, no anything. And I will forgive you 100% of the time. And if you throw in something extra for me the next time, great. One thing I'm able to do because we're a smaller company is I try to take one day a month and call half or a 10 customers. Just call them. Hey, this is Christy, the CEO of Be Strong Story. 
hey, I just wanted to make sure your order was okay. Um, how did it go? Is there anything we could do better? And I would say most people are dumbfounded that I've called them. Right. They have no idea. They're like, I've never had a CEO of a company call me about a random order. And so, I mean, it's like a two minute conversation, you guys, but I have had emails after the conversation from people who say, I didn't even know what to say to you because I've never heard someone do that, but you made my day. Thank you so much for calling me. And you know, if they do say, yeah, I didn't love this or that, I am so sorry. Here's 50% off your next, you know, thing. Or like I have an order right now that's taking forever and it's our mistake. And I am calling her, I'm sending her an extra something, but this, I would say that our customers have been five to six order customers. I can go back and look how many guys, we don't even sell that many products. (laughs) They just keep buying the same thing. They'll bring it to someone else, but it's because I want to have a relationship with them. And obviously they care about what we're trying to do. It's a bigger mission. It's not just like a t-shirt, but for the most part, it is just always coming back and saying, how can I make it better? Thank you so much for buying this. It means so much to me and not being too big for your britches. I hope that if I had a billion dollar company, I would still call some of my customers and say, hey, how's it going? Thank you so much. Yeah. And, and so let, let's look at the business into that. So a lot of companies are so focused on customer acquisition or customer retention. And just like you said, so be strong story is kind of in startup mode where you have the the time in your schedule to be able to do that. But just like you said, it's a, it's a two to five minute phone call. You now may have taken somebody who's either on the fence to say, eh, maybe I like the products to absolutely. I'm going to order again. I like that meant the world to me or somebody who already loves the products to say, Hey, not only am I going to order again, but I'm going to order extra so I can pass out to my friends and help the brand grow. So it, it's so easy. And now again, if you're a, you know, Fortune 500 company where you don't have that time in your schedule, even if it's somebody on your staff to do the follow-up phone call. An email is so easy to send out. There's no personal touch to it. You don't you don't build a relationship through an email or even a text. But if somebody makes that call, it's so the other day, I had a prescription from Walgreens and I got a call when I was at the gym and it was the pharmacist just asking, hey, we realize this is a new prescription. Like, is everything okay? Like, any questions? I'm I was dumbfounded. I didn't even know what to say. I'm like, oh, wow. Like, I was just like, hey, thank you for calling. It took 30 seconds because I was like, I just want to get off the phone. Like, no, I'm good. But now I know next time I need anything, I'm going to go into Walgreens, right? Just little things like that. And and that's not the CEO of the company, but you better believe if it is the CEO of the company. And that, that person on the other line, they may not know whether you employ 100 people or one people or whatever. They're going to be so impressed by that. And that's somebody who is your customer for life. And so we had this lady um, who was like, I want to be in Be Strong Story. I want to be employed. This was last year. And we didn't have the money to do that. And she's like, I will volunteer. I will do anything. I said, well, what are you good at? Like, what what are you passionate about? Number one. Um, and what do you love to do? I'm not going to hire someone to do something that they don't love to do, even if it's just a volunteer position. I know that by being in the D.C. world, by being in businesses, you hire someone who is passionate about what they do or something they're good at. And she said, I'm really good at building relationships. I said, great. Here's a list of all our customers. Call every single one of them and say on a scale of one to five, what could we do better? And she, you know, had a lot of messages that she did. People called her back, but that wasn't even me. I didn't have time to do that at the time. And she did it for me. So 
people are, it just goes back to the thing is people want to be a part of your stuff and, you know, let them be a part in any way that you can. And that's so smart. So that was somebody who believed in your mission because you're passionate about it. They, they volunteered your time, which made your life easier. And you're now getting actual feedback from your customers. So you're not continuing to print a, a type of fabric that isn't comfortable or the sizing might be a little bit off or the, you know, this might be slightly different. You're getting that feedback in real time from your customers. And then, you know, if you have a customer who's not happy, you can fix it. Right. Right. I think that's incredibly valuable. And then that's good. It's a good lesson for anyone, whether you're in startup mode or whether your company has been going on for a while. Christy, can you talk a little bit about your consulting with other companies and, you know, what you're doing to inspire others who may not have philanthropy first to integrate that into their business? Yeah, I think every, what we're seeing now is just an onset of other companies who want to help, who want, because they're seeing that their, their employees are coming to work nine to five, and maybe they're not doing exactly what they want to be doing. But if they give them an outlet to go serve, to go build perspective somewhere, that's when the magic happens. So I'm seeing a lot of companies who've done this in the past year where they'll give a day off for their um, employees to serve. They will give extra money. Um, the lady, uh, Sarah Blakely from Spanx, who started Spanx, she's really huge into this. Um, there's even a lot of people who are now doing that as their job. They're helping companies kind of get in with the community. And in, before the mindset was, and I just had a conversation with um, a guy who does this at, a, at one of the largest companies in the world. Um, and I sat down with him and I said, what are you doing to bring community and your employees together? And it's working. And he said, in the past, what most companies do is we want to make our employees feel good. And so we go into these communities and we say, this is what we're going to do for you. Uh, we're going to paint a mural on your wall. And these schools are like, That's, but that is not what I need. Like, why do I need another mural on my wall? The employees feel really good about themselves. They see their mural and they move on. So that's just, I think it's selfish, number one. Number two, it doesn't help the people they're actually trying to help. And it's genuine for the most part. I don't, I don't want to help. I don't want to do something that doesn't help someone. So now people are coming in and building relationships. So the most beautiful thing is when you go into a community, let's say you're downtown, uh, where are you? In downtown Columbus. So you're going to find some place that's close to you, Kyle, and to your business. And you're going to say, hey, I, this, this is our company. Number one question, how can I serve you? Yeah. Period. And maybe they say something that you maybe didn't know. And they say, actually, we really need a lot of tutors to help our kids. And so then you, if you really want to help, if that's really your goal, you will figure out how to do that with your employees and you will build relationship with them. So instead of coming in these random places and doing what you think is right, you're asking them, how can we serve you? They tell you. And then you continue to build like a one, a two, a three-year relationship with them. So these employees are actually seeing these kids. They see them grow up. You know, what? say it's a school. They are tutoring them. They're building a relationship. I've seen it happen in two different great companies. And it has changed such perspective for these employees. Um, it's been beautiful. So I think, number one, if you are a company, figure out how to do it, but go in with a servant's heart. Like we are here to serve you. Tell us what we can do. And that's just like you said with an employee, like, or a volunteer. If somebody says, Hey, I want to do for you. And you're like, Hey, I'm focused on what I need so bad. You might be putting them in a role that 
they could be doing so much better for. In episode nine with Jimmy, he talked about this. If you're a brain surgeon and you're doling out soup at the soup kitchen, you could probably be using your gift to do so much more for the community. Yes. And at Make It, they do the same thing. We're like, hey, homeless people need food, right? So we're just going to like buy extra burritos and feed people. We're going to set up a food truck and feed people. What we learned is we, we did the same thing you were talking about that company did. We were putting our expectations on a demographic that we wanted to help. And then we realized hey, that's not what they want. It's not what they need. They need connection. They need to feel heard. They need to feel a relationship. They can go get food anywhere. Like there's so many places to get a meal around here in Columbus, but they wanted somebody to just sit and listen to them and treat them like another human being. And that's how we evolved. But we made that same mistake too. So I think that's really good advice, whether it's hiring somebody, whether it's trying to do good in your community, don't assume what you think somebody needs. Like just ask them. And you'll create so much greater change in your community than just, again, painting a mural or giving a bunch of basketballs out or doing something where people just look at you and say, we didn't need this. We didn't even want this. But it takes more work. And I think people need to be okay with that. Like you've got to sacrifice a little more. And you, if you truly have a servant's heart and you truly want to serve and make an impact, like you have to be okay with them telling you something that you're like, oh, okay. I have to do a little legwork or to figure it out. It's way easier to go hand out a bunch of burritos. So I think for us to be true impactors, we have to be okay with sacrificing a little more, with um, figuring out things a little more, because if we really are serving and we're being a genuine heart, sometimes the things that they need are, aren't easy for us. Um, but I think that's where we have to be. If we truly want to be authentic with our servant's heart and our giving for even our company, our company will sniff out, our employees will sniff out a fake like this. If I'm a CEO and I say, I love serving so much, but they see me do it disingenuously, they're like, peace out. So. Relationship versus transactional. A mural is transactional doing the tutoring or whatever they need, that's, that's relationship building. So not only that, if you're a big company, you're going to have employee retention. That's going to be a lot longer because your employees do buy into the mission where they develop these relationships where now, Hey, so-and-so is offering me a little bit more money, but Hey, I really enjoy you know this tutoring program that we're doing. And I've developed a relationship with these kids or I really enjoy giving out at, at the homeless kitchen and, and whatever it is, that, that's going to benefit your business too. Trey, let's bring it back to you to, to bring us home. Yeah, guys, um, I can't I can't stress enough for creating relationship in uh, business. I, I learned early on that um, transactions are not really working uh, for us. We didn't have any sustainable business. It was kind of one and done as it being in a consulting software consulting service. If, if I did not create a relationship, it was OK, your time's up. We don't need you anymore. Right. And sometimes it happens. But it's, whether you have a relationship or not, it comes down to budget. But as I get better and better at this, uh, I notice that when I create relationships, hey, how else can I help you guys? Or are you looking for something else? I see that we get extensions, that we get more work for the company because they believe in us, right? We're doing more. We're adding more value to them. We're adding quality of service, right? Um, and we're saving them a lot of time. So those are the types of things that um, as we continue to grow with our business that I really do take out more of my time to actually help out with uh, some of these companies and with just the, the managers themselves to make sure that I add value to them. So, yep. That's awesome guys. So Christy, we certainly appreciate your time. We love what you're doing in the community. I mean, obviously from uh, when we met back in St. Louis, we always knew you had a big heart and you always had a, a bigger mission than just 
you know, doing the, the day-to-day nine-to-five. So I, I love what you're doing. It's going to impact a lot of people. Uh, us at Make-A-Day could probably learn a lot from how you're integrating, uh, you know, more people into your mission and creating a for-profit uh, business for your family, but also a way for them to earn a few ducats for themselves and, and take care of themselves. So uh, we really appreciate it. I know those of you listening, you can't see, but uh, our other two co-hosts, Trey and Christy, are probably two of the fittest people in Denver as well. So <laughs> we're making time to make a few bucks, change the world, and work on those abs in their fran time. So, all right, guys. Well, we appreciate you. Christy, thanks for coming on. Thank you. We'll catch you guys next week. Hey guys, thanks for listening to another episode of Lucrative Lessons. We hope you learned something today. Remember to subscribe on iTunes. If we earned your five-star review, please leave one. Helps for visibility. Also, you can check out more at llpcast.com. All proceeds go to our 501c3 nonprofit, the Make-A-Day Foundation, where you can find more at makeaday.fun. We'll catch you next time.